Hello and welcome to Parade of Dicks. I'm your host, Lucy Buttons, here with my co-producer, John L. What's up? How are you? Ah, I've been better. Been better. How are you? You seem to have a lot of updates for us. Wait a minute. What's going on? What do you mean you've been better? Eh, it's a it's a roller coaster ride with uh, the arch with my architect. So, uh, who's the architect? The 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 one I fell in love with. Okay. So oh, d- last we heard on the yeah you, we got to go back, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, last we heard on the podcast, I don't even remember. Um, I think last you told me was she stayed over because she had heat stroke or something. Was that even, did we record that? Yep. Yep. We did. That was the last part. So, so last episode. So I guess we'll start with mine because it's fairly weird. Um, So last episode, uh, we talked about how the, my architect came back. So found someone two months ago, dated for two weeks disappeared oh like a week fell in love disappeared um two weeks later three weeks later she um had some heat stroke i was able to assist and we started uh seeing each other again um you know slowly getting to know each other etc etc so we've been seeing each other you know two once twice a week for the past five weeks um okay i thought it was doing great it's been five weeks since i've talked to you uh no because we recorded that second week of the thing so i think it's been um three weeks okay yeah uh so the uh so we've been hanging out four or five weeks once twice a week very well um but um we haven't like we haven't spoken in in a minute but uh the past i thought it was doing great um and it was i was very happy for a very long while cautiously optimistic because again we got to we got back together under um extraneous circumstances, right? Like a heat stroke. If you know, if probably if she never had heat stroke, we probably would have never spoken again. Um uh did a lot of stuff in between, but the past couple of weeks, uh she's been thinking about uh or for, for a long time she's been thinking about leaving her work. Um, and the more that she talked about, think, thought about leaving work, the more that she thought about leaving New York. And she kind of decided the past couple of weeks that the next destination that she was going to move to was Seattle because she has family there uh, and she likes it there and she likes the sister that she has there. So she's very, she's becoming more and more excited to move there. So kind of abruptly, um, like two days ago, we were hanging out here. My apartment had a great night. We saw, um, instant home makeover on netflix uh but the next day she just you know texted out of the blue in between planning our visit to the rent fair next week that i actually just didn't want to continue anything romantic because the timing our timings are different like we're we're in different path tracks of our life like she wants to you know, move to new york move to seattle uh and you know moving isn't necessarily the best thing for a budding relationship, you know, even if I kind of hinted the idea that I can move to Seattle tomorrow if I wanted to, I can move her to Seattle if she wanted to, but I guess she wasn't, you yeah. know, that's not something that you could think about after two months of knowing a person. So she just bounced again last night. Uh, and uh, uh-huh. now we're Should back I- to zero. And that's I'm really sorry. 
Yeah, it's uh, luckily this time, like, you know, I was able to, uh, like when, when, when she came back, I was a little frazzled, like we mentioned, spoke to my therapist. Luckily, it's a good timing. And then uh, also my friends kind of advised to be cautiously optimistic, fortify your mind, because you'll never know, right? You know, maybe it was just, you know, she was feeling thankful or generous because I was there during a very tough part of, of a week, like a health scare. Um, and the week after, we, I also brought her back to the hospital. Like we spent almost like the entire night in the hospital. Well, um, because after 10 days, she's, her headache hasn't subsided. So maybe she was being thankful and giving me a little bit more of a chance because of that. But um, but yeah, so I was slightly prepared that, you know, I'm not as much of a wreck or as a mess, uh, as the first time she left still extremely distraught, um, still extremely heartbroken. Uh, I hate that word. Um, but, uh, it's one of those times that it's applicable for this situation. Um, yeah. but I was speaking to my, my best bud from the Philippines yesterday. We were talking cause he, he too has, is having a health scare. Uh, and, um, we were waiting for the results of his tests. Uh, we got the results today and I kind of thought to myself, you know what? Um, uh, uh, no matter how painful this session is with this particular person, um, I would, choose the well-being of my best friend 100 out of 100 times over any woman any chick so um, so that's kind of like my my what i'm trying to brainwash myself is like i'm glad that the tests of my friend my best friend came back pretty good or uh, not as bad as we thought thought would would be and i'd rather have that than the lady if somebody made me choose all right you know, you're, you know, uh, Trebox being sick or and or the architect, I would have chosen Trebox. So, yeah, that's it. That is pretty much everything okay. that I have on my end. Now we turn mm-hmm. the stage to you because I know you. The last time we talked off pod, you were dating and it was, um, what do you call this? Um, um, fairly uh, successful. So what has happened? So I'm calling this episode Attack of the Zombies. Ooh. I got a lot going on. And you were like, just give me the headline. I gave you that. You're like, what the fuck does that mean? So I did go on one date with a new guy um, a couple weeks ago now, apparently. Um, He was not my type. He was your type. He made video games for a living. Cool. And he made me go to Greenpoint for the date, which I hated. And I thought he lived on the Lower East Side, but he actually is living in Long Island. And once I saw him, I was instantly not attracted to him. Um, because pictures can be, you know, sometimes so flattering that they're mm-hmm. not accurate. Yeah. So what do you think about that? If I, if I meet someone, he drove a couple, like an hour, let's say, to meet me. But instantly I know it's not a thing. Should I just like do us both a favor and leave and not have dinner with him because he's going to be buying the dinner when I'm not interested and it's kind of a waste of both of our time. Or should I stay and have the dinner? Cause I can totally do that. You know, that's so good question. Cause I'm 50, 50 on it. Um, I mean, maybe a conversation might sway you like might cover up 
or enhance the attraction a little bit. But I also wouldn't want to spend that much time and money and resources on somebody that is needs to be convinced of my presence, right? Of my attraction. Right. So totally, I'm split 50-50 on it. Yeah, and I kind of didn't know which was like the kind thing to do in that instance because normally I think like, ah, I can have a drink with anybody, but he had invited me for dinner um, and it was just kind of awkward. So like, I don't know, we got something, um, we talked, we got a drink, it was fine, everything was fine. He even offered dessert. It was the first time I have been offered to get dessert with anybody on any of these dates. Wow. I mean, that's not 100% true. Like some, you know, Google oftentimes wanted dessert, but I couldn't eat any of it. And other people were like, do you want anything? You know, and I was always like, eh. But this time I was like, oh, I doubt they have anything gluten-free. So he like asked and they did. So we got it. We shared a dessert. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I was kind of feeling like my dating skills had been waning or something. But that happened. Then um, I think the last time I talked to you, I had started, I'd been on two dates with the doctor, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So um, I saw him again. On our third date, uh, we went for like a weird Sunday afternoon lunch again, or dinner, an early dinner. He asked me afterwards, we walked together to the train. He asked me if he could hold my hand, which I thought was really funny because he'd already kissed me on the second date. And now he was asking permission if he could. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely feel like this is more of a theme when I date non-white people than it is with white men. Like. Most white men, some do now, um, like ask to kiss you or ask to hold your hand, but most don't. Most still go for it. But every guy I've gone out with from any other background has asked. And I wonder if that's the dynamic of like, you know, a, a person of color dating a white lady or what it is. But I just sort of noticed it and thought it was interesting and curious. Um we had, you know, that awkward first kiss on the second date uh, okay. where I could swear um, he had his noodley dick on my leg. Uh, <laughs> and now we've been on four dates because he like pretty much begged to see me the fourth time uh, oh. after work. And I was like, I was tired and I was grumpy. And it's not that I didn't want to see him, but I didn't want to like fuck things up in something that was going well by like my shitty mood. But I'd been stuck at work till like 930 at night that day. And I had to get up the next day and pack and leave for Philly. And I like was totally unprepared for that. And it was an hour earlier than I thought. And he wanted to see me. So I was like, well, if you come to, you know, the neighborhood that I work in, I was like, then I'll see you. Um, and he was like, oh, well, let's go to, you know, Greenwich Village, which is like maybe halfway home from me um, from work. And I was like, no, I really don't want to do that. But then there was a place near my work that I've been wanting to check out. So he agreed to that. We went there. It was nice. We had like a very late dinner um, and it was fine. And then I, you know, he messaged me a little bit, but I was out of town. I was having fun visiting a friend, doing a gig uh, in Philadelphia. And then I heard from him on Saturday. So we're recording on Thursday and I heard from him on Saturday. He was like, Oh, going on into work now, sent me a little picture. And then I responded on Sunday. I said I was headed back shortly or whatever. So I was just traveling and honestly sleeping. <laughs> and then on Sunday, I sent him a message early in the day and I didn't hear from him. And then later in the day, when he would have been waking up to go to his next shift, 
I still didn't hear from him. And I was like, what's going on? Did you, are you alive? You know, and he's a resident and that's a very hard uh, feel, you know, time in, in being a doctor to deal with because you're working these like crazy hours. Everyone says it's like super hard. It's the last sort of thing. And then I sent him like a ghost gift. And it was cute and it was playful, but it was like, I hadn't heard from him from day. This is out of his character. And so the thing that I had been liking about him was his energy. He's like so happy. He did put me in a good mood that night when we went to dinner, even though I was like tired and grumpy. And he was really excited to see me and he liked practically begging to see me um, and making time for me and making time to text me, even when he was at work, which like on a personal level, I appreciated but on a patient level, I mean, you should not be texting people when you're to be giving care. <laughs> we have a couple of minutes, like downtime walking from one bed to the other. I again, when when I brought the my architect to the hospital, like we were there in the ER for whew, six hours. So I've seen people chilling. So that's good that at least he thinks about you, even on in a work mode goes to show that well, if yeah. you, somebody's important to you, you'll, you'll make time for them. Yes, that was all great. And I was loving it. And then it like stopped or something because that was on Sunday. And then on Monday, I didn't hear from him for most of the day. And then like Monday night or something, he said, let's see what he said. Also, I'm still working on pronouncing his name correctly. And every time I say it, <laughs> um, <laughs> Like anyone who's not of that culture is like, wait, what? What did you say? And even my Indian friend was like, isn't it just blah, blah, blah? And I was like, no, <laughs> he corrected me. So I'm trying to say it correctly, but then, you know, whatever. And then in front of him, I still said it wrong. So I'm, it's a process. Um, but anyway, he, he apologized for being MIA um, on Monday night. And he said he had a bad migraine with aura. And it was so bad on the Saturday that he had to stay in the hospital and be monitored by neurology just in case and got IV meds. But it was super bad. He was feeling better, still have some headache and dizziness, and will be resting again Monday in dark rooms. Um, and that he's been in dark rooms since Saturday. And he said, I miss you. And then he said, LOL, not a ghost at all. And asked Aww. if I could hang out um, today, which is, you know, the the first message I'd sent him on Sunday was like, hey, please let me know your next day off so I could plan my week accordingly because I didn't have anything else going on yet. Um, so I said, OK, if you say so, like, I'm sorry, you haven't been feeling well. Residency is super hard. I get migraines and aura, too. It sucks. And I said I wasn't sure about Thursday because I got scheduled for um, to do a television show, actually, this uh, week. And so I was supposed to be filming tomorrow. So anyway, I text him back on Monday, and then I don't hear from him. And so then on Tuesday, I said, hi. And again, I said, are you alive? And I don't hear from him. And normally, that wouldn't bother me. But again, his energy was like he would text me a few times. Like in bouts, you know, I get like five text messages at one time and then a few hours later, five more and stuff like that. It wasn't a consistent thing, but it was consistent enough. And now it's not. And so then yesterday he said, hey, sorry again. Trust me, I'm not trying to be a flake. Still at work. It's been rough. And the migraines have him scared shitless. 
Okay. So I was at a concert last night. I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I didn't respond. I saw it at the concert and I didn't respond because I had a few thoughts. Like my first thought was, well, welcome to your thirties, dude, your body's rebelling against you and falling apart. And it's just how it is now. Like I get migraines all the time and aura, and I still go to work when I have them. And I know there's varying scales. Sometimes I just have the aura and no actual headache. And sometimes they're really bad, but it just was like strange to me because even if he was in a room dark for a couple of days and he wouldn't be working, but he said he was back at work, but he was hiding in dark rooms. He said he wasn't being a flake. He had a good sense of humor about me, like asking him about it. But I don't know. Yeah, well, again, it's half. Yeah, maybe it is just, you know, he he over-delivered initially. Now the bar is just high for the energy that now that things are normalizing, it's much more highlighted. That can be a truth. But of course, like you don't know, the dude might might be... uh, we're, you know, punting the energy to somebody else. So again, you're not exclusive. And we've only been on four days, but I feel like this is the repeat of what just happened with Google in that I start to like some guy and then he kind of like drops his energy and that's fucking annoying. And so I'm like, I, I said to my shrink today, I was like, I think it might be time for me to let him know that if you're not going to be consistent with the texting, this isn't going to work because I understand he's a doctor. And of course people are, get sick and I have empathy for that stuff but now this is like a week yeah or maybe not not specific texting but if not consistent with the communication meaning letting you know that if he's going to be he's going to dip for a day or two with proper reason we went out times in the first week like it's just weird and I what I was going to say the next time we hung out I was going to say you know I'll go to his house and we can watch a movie so we could get a little snuggle see what happens because we've been on four days and we have not had sex yeah. And we barely even kissed. So oh, interesting. Yeah, because we're like on the street. I'm not big into PDA. So anyway, so I texted him this morning when I got up and I um I asked him what schedule he was on now because I thought it was flop uh flipping this week. And um and I said, you know, I'm confused. Why are you scared about the migraines? And he hasn't responded, but he definitely read it like six hours ago. Has his read receipt on? Yep. Nice. I would know. I mean, I have my read receipts on, I believe. But point is, um, he's not responding the same way. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, I kind of think it's dead in the water. I definitely thought he was ghosting me, but I don't know what to make of it now. So that happened. Then... (laughs) Then my bigger, and I talked to my ex-fiance a little bit the other day, and that made me really sad because he actually, like, fucking communicated, which he hasn't, which is a good thing, but, like, it still made me sad because I just fucking miss him, you know? Mm. And I'm just fucking lonely. And then this other big thing happened, and I wanted to talk to him about it, and I couldn't. So one night, I was sitting at home, and I had texted Google, you know, casually a couple weeks ago. We finally communicated, and we cleared the air after he had listened to the podcast and all that stuff. And I said, you know, have fun at your thing. And so just like basic friendly stuff. Well, then he texts me back and I was sitting at home. So we're kind of texting back and forth and it's like fun texting. Like you actually do with friends, which he never really did while we were dating. And all of a sudden it was super fucking flirty. And he was like, wait, are you, 
he, he made like a pussy joke, but you know, for me, that doesn't even mean anything. Right. Because for me, I make like dick jokes all the time. I mean, hello, this is parade of dicks. Right. So he, um, what did I say? Um, of course my phone won't let me scroll, scroll further. He's, he said something and I didn't think much of it. And then he was like, wait, are you waiting for me to invite you over? And I was like, no, I thought we were just having a conversation. Do you want to invite me over? Like to bone? And um, he was like, see, now this is why phone calls were better because I could be eating your pussy right fucking now. <laughs> instead of this hour texting conversation. And then part of me was like, fair point. But I was not going to give that to him because had we talked on the phone, the conversation wouldn't have gone there. So it's one of the reasons why texting is better. And so it was just kind of fun and flirty. And he said that. And then um, I was like, okay, well, I guess good night then. And he keeps going. And he's like, you know, if he was talking about how he had to get up early the next day. So that's why I couldn't go over after all of this texting. It was too late. Um, he's like, I can fuck, but I don't know when I would sleep. And, and I said, message received. I put it away, like meaning my dick, but obviously I don't have a penis. Um, and then he said, fuck check for another night. And I said, I want to fuck every night, all the fucks. And I said, I hadn't had sex since we did. Um, and he said, if we lived together, we would likely die of dehydration and starvation. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm not like you. Um, cause I prioritize fucking over sleep for sure. And I said, I'd die with a smile on my face people could probably actually stand to be around me other than the awkwardness of him being under my skirt at the time. And he said, I want to die in my sleep or fucking. And I said, I could feed you while we fuck. We'd figure it out. Remote work, get a hose for water. I said, I definitely want to die fucking for fuck's sake. I busted my own hip trying to get off. I know where my priorities are. I said, and we wouldn't have to diet or work out anymore. Stress hormones would go way down, cardio way up. It's a solid plan really. And he said it would probably happen from head trauma against the headboard with me railing you from behind. I said, it sounds perfect. I said, wait, do you want to kill me with your dick? Because I am into it. So it was like this fun, flirty thing. And he said that or from, um, or me dying from lack of oxygen because I'm buried between your legs, uh, eating your wet pussy. And I said, I would love to kill you that way. He said, but only if you're finishing your orgasm, right? I can't die when you're about to climax this and eh, just grind my, away on your corpse face mm-hmm. to finish my like this kept going and then and something the big thing happened this night too which i'm going to get to in a second but then this whole conversation and then nothing and <laughs> so at the end he was like he didn't have time to to fuck that night and i said well how about tomorrow he's like i'm going to long island for the weekend and i said okay sunday and we talked about like our schedules for sunday and that didn't work so i told him what days i was available and then um, like that week, I didn't hear from him. And then I text him. Sorry. And then I text him Saturday and I said, do you have plans tomorrow? And still nothing. Oh, so now I feel like I gave away my power. It seems like, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, you, it's great when the dude is engaged and then they jack off and then they kind of like, you know what? (laughs) I'm cool. Oh, fuck you. That's what you think. He was just wanking it while we were talking. So I just, I was actually just uh, watching a couple of of videos and one of the commercials that I saw was like, you know, those 
dating gurus is again i've looked at a lot of dating stuff the past couple of months and then the comedy was never swipe you know never swipe or go onto the apps or engage with somebody that you're trying to impress without jacking off that was a joke but i think it's kind of real so uh, like you know you know because yeah. you're yeah so maybe i mean and that again i definitely did jerk off after that conversation so yeah. i guess yeah very uh but i didn't want bipolar it's a short cap even when we finished the conversation i could have been in the cab i could have gotten there we could have kept texting it could have been great <laughs> Okay, so anyway, the big thing that happened this night, we're going to end with the story. You're going to lose your fucking mind. And like I said, attack of the zombies. So zombies are your exes that are basically dead to you, but they're still walking amongst the living, right? And the same night, and full trigger warning of this conversation, just all the trigger warnings, I'm going to give them ahead of time. Um, But all of a sudden, out of the blue, on the same night, I'm texting with Google, I got a text from my high school sweetheart that I dated for seven and a half years. Oh. And <laughs> why do you awe? Yeah, it's your my high school sweetheart. He texted me and he said that as of that day, he was one year sober. And uh, I don't know why he wanted, he said, you know, I didn't want to disturb your life or anything like that. But he wanted to let me know. And he was like, isn't it funny that I'm still holding some resentments from like 15 years ago or whatever when we broke up? And um, and I said, well, no, I am too. And he's like, I bet you have. I completely shit on you. And we so we texted a little bit. And um, there was there was two boys in high school study hall that were flirting with me when um, when I met this guy. And uh, one was on either side and they were both claiming to be doing homework with me. And the teacher wanted to know which one I was actually doing homework with because it couldn't be both. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm doing my, let's say, math homework. I don't know what they're doing. And that was what he was doing. And, you know, I said to him in the text conversation, I always wonder what would happen if I'd chosen Dan, who was the other one. I I think I can use his name (laughs) long enough. Like, I always wonder what would have happened if I'd chosen Dan that day. Maybe I wouldn't still be, you know, this old and single and all that stuff. And he laughed and whatever. And so we had like a friendly conversation. And I'd already I said to him, you know, I was really sorry. I thought he'd sorted his addiction issues many, many, many years ago. He struggled with them a little bit while we were together. Um, but honestly, I was drinking so much back then. I really didn't notice a lot of stuff. And I'm also just naive to a lot of drug use and things like that. So, um, so we texted a little bit that night and, and then that was the end of it. And I had the long conversation with Google, right. But there was a lot of questions in my mind. So after I told him, I wonder what would have happened. He, he then knew that I was no longer engaged, right. Which was Uh the last thing he had known about. And then he said, you know, he's, he's blown up every relationship he'd ever had. And I said, well, that's not true. You still have your wife and your kid. And he was like, nope. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And he was like, I left her. And I said, wait, what? (laughs) And so he he said, you know, the relationship had gotten really bad. And um, it just felt like there was no solution. And there was a lot of other things, which I'm not going to share all of his, like, really personal stuff. But he really hit rock bottom in all the ways. 
um, with his drug and alcohol use and within the relationship and his feelings about it and all this stuff. So finally, uh, he got sober and he left her. Um, and even though I should have heard like drug habit, alcohol addiction, rock bottom, suicidal ideation, horrible, you know, toxic relationship. All I heard was that he was single again. (laughs) 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 Because this guy was, I always called him my lobster because, you know, on some episode of friends a thousand years ago, they said lobsters mate for life. I don't even know if that's a true fact, but that was like when we were, huh? That's true. Okay. So, um, I always called him my lobster and even when we broke up, um, you know, I still have compared and we did not have a perfect relationship. He was verbally abusive and it was a roller coaster ride. It was very passionate in all the ways though. And, um, we really loved each other and we worked our way through a lot of our fucked up shit together. Cause we were kids, you know, when we met and then we moved to New York together. Um, so when we broke up, it was kind of because they started doing burlesque. It was kind of because he wanted a kid someday, he thought. And it was kind of because they'd given him an ultimatum of like, we've been together so fucking long. Are we getting married or not? You know, and then for many years, I thought he won the breakup because he got married and he got the kid and he had the house upstate and he had the house in Brooklyn. And so obviously there's cars involved there, too. And he had this successful career. He was making good money. And like, how does he fucking win that breakup? I fucking made him. I was bitter. Like I made this man when I met him, he didn't eat vegetables. (laughs) Uh, Like we were each other's first everything. And like, how dare he fucking leave and go have this happy life. And I'm still like miserably single all these years later because I didn't want to wait. But his wife waited like 10 fucking years before they got married, you know? So I wouldn't have wanted that either. But at the end of the day, they were married. And so he and I, this left me with all these questions that night when we were on the phone. So I get off the phone with him and I don't get to have sex with Google. And all these thoughts are running through my mind about everything that we went through, you know, things I hadn't thought about in so many years. And, And again, my thought was that, you know, oh, he's single again. And when we broke up, I thought like, because he was my lobster, I was like, okay, this is what it's going to be like. We're broken up. He's going to go on. He's going to get married. He's going to have kids. I'll go on. I'll get married and not have kids and live my life. And when we're old, when we're elderly, we're going to get back together. That was the story I always told myself. And so when he called me, I was like, well, we're not that old, but <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> but hey, the time, there's a chance. There's some there's a chance. Uh, alignment right How now. Is that? He's fucked up. He is struggling with serious problems you know mental health issues and addiction and all these things and all I can think about is that oh he's still single maybe we can get that like that's not normal (laughs) or healthy in any way Um, but that was what I thought and then the next morning I wake up to a picture of him and his son that he had sent me on my phone And I was like, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I don't know why he texted me. You know, he said it was because he was thinking about the amends he eventually has to make to me. And isn't some of these things funny? And he had like names wrong and all this stuff. He shared some of it with me. And so I was like, why did he text me last night? And so we're just like texting back and forth again in the morning. And then he called me. We were on the phone for like an hour and a half. 
and he told me the whole story of how he hit rock bottom and and various things that had happened throughout his relationship and with his his family and everything and um and we caught up a bit and you talked about the pandemic and stuff like that um and then he was talking about his amends list and i told him i was like well first of all you got those names wrong like so and so is the one that took the headshots not you know not teddy and um i don't even remember he was mad i was friends with some kid in high school and i was like i didn't even remember being that good of friends with him like that's funny they're still mad about it and so we were joking around and everything was fine about a lot of stuff and he was mad that i was friends with um this firefighter when we were together in new york and i was bartending and i said well Okay, so I actually had to end up sleeping with the firefighter, but not when we were together. <laughs> I broke up with him, and he doesn't know that. But, or, I don't know, maybe it does. I don't know. For a little while, I was kind of even seeing them because we broke up, and then we got back together and all this stuff. But the reason that I sort of bonded with the fireman at that time, and this is what I told him because he was mad about it. He's been mad about it for 15 years, right? And so I told him the reason that that was was because he's the only one who noticed that. I was in a toxic relationship and he noticed a handprint on my arm. Ooh. And so my lobster, I guess we'll call him my lobster. Um, he was like, wait a minute. He was like, did I like, was I physically abusive towards you? And I said, yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? And he never hit me. And I don't know how I got that bruise on my arm, to be honest. But he was the kind of guy that would like, punch a wall if he was mad right and he never punched a hole in a wall that we lived in but he I remember he punched the siding of his house when we were in high school and it left a dent and he punched my dashboard in my car and it left a dent and he punched the radio like the it was like a cd player in my car and he punched it and cracked the screen on that and these were things I'd then have to explain to my family and make excuses for. And when we lived together, I remember him being angry once and flipping the bed. So I reminded him about that because that was really embarrassing for me. I had to go get the neighbor to help me put it back on the thing. And the neighbor, we were friends with our neighbor there. It was a, a three apartment house that we had rented uh, one of them in. So we actually like hung out with that neighbor a lot, very not New York style. Um, and so the neighbor could hear our arguments. The neighbor knew the ins and outs of our relationships in many ways. And now I'm asking that guy to help me put the bed back because my boyfriend had flipped it. You know what I mean? So oh. it, it is abusive behavior, but it, I don't know. I'm still making excuses for it now. And then there was one time where he like dove at me when I was trying to unlock the house. I don't remember why. I don't remember what happened, but he like sort of full bodied like shoulder like you would if you were a fucking football player. And I fell down and scraped my wrist on, you know, like a brick or whatever on the edge of the path hmm. and it bled and that and that one he remembered. So I was just reminding him of this. And then I said to him, and then there was the time that you raped me in high school. Are you still there? We're not supposed yeah. to have dead air, John. Yeah, you have no, no reaction. What am I going to say to that? <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. So that was basically his reaction as well. This was not new information to him. It was not something he knew that he had done. Um, and I blew up his world by telling him that when he had just hit, 
a year sober. And for those of you that have never, that are listening, that don't know anybody in a program, like there are certain landmarks in people's recovery that they oftentimes fall off. Um, And one year is definitely one of those things because they get their chip and they feel accomplished. And then they're like, oh, maybe I can, you know, whatever, or something happens like this. And so um, at the time I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking like, he asked me what, answering his question. And I never thought I would talk to him about this, but I've had lots of therapy and had to do a lot of work myself on my feelings about everything. And I thought at at the time, like, I'm just answering his question because this is true to me. So he got really quiet and he said, um, and I said, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, you don't be sorry for that. Why are you apologizing? And I was like, well, obviously you didn't know. And I kind of knew that he didn't know. Um, but that's my truth. And so then I went on to explain to him, I was like, you know, relationship to me, these are my opinions and people listening might disagree with me and you're entitled to your beliefs about it as well. But to me, relationships are really complicated and the line when you do power play stuff and when you, um, are having an ongoing consensual relationship with someone, um, that involves sex, when you take that away, uh, can be misinterpreted sometimes by the other person. Mm -hmm. And so in this instance, we were in high school. We had been having sex all the time. We were at his friend's house for what I think was a party. I think there was some alcohol involved, but you know, high school shit. It's probably like sour apple pucker, peppermint schnapps or something. And I just remember being someplace and I didn't go to this friend's house very often. But I remember being in like, you know, an office that's adjacent to a living room or something like that. No one else was there, but it was like an open floor plan There were where there was like walls, but all the rooms sort of bled into one another from two different passages. You know, you could have walked in a circle around the house, basically on the main floor and it was dark in there and we were on the floor and he wanted to have sex in this like open room in his friend's house. And I didn't want to have sex there. It's not that I don't want to have sex with him, but I wasn't comfortable having sex in his friend's house on the floor, like a wood floor and, um, and out in the open, that was not okay with me. And so I said, no. And he, um, forced himself and we had sex there and I was raped and, um, he didn't realize it. And he still hadn't realized it. And so when I told him, I told him all this and I brought up the Kavanaugh thing, which is always the example that I use now when I talk about it, which is that I think both sides can be true for how the person remembers it. So he didn't remember it that way. And to me, I had said no, and that meant no. And it didn't, to my knowledge, it didn't rock my world, destroy my, my self-esteem and all those things the way that you know a violent or stranger rape can be um and I definitely just like at a certain point submitted to the situation but it was not something I wanted to do and it was a violation of my right to um consent Mm -hmm. and it would be a very different conversation I think even if I was you know a high school kid now but so it was not something I share with many people and um now I have (laughs) and Mm -hmm. Uh, 
he was really shocked by it. And he was silent for a long time, but he pushed himself to re-engage in the conversation. He said, you know, I'm not even comfortable watching those kinds of scenes in movies and television shows. And I said, yeah, like people don't like to see themselves reflected back at them. And that was also not a really good thing to say. I mean, it is, you know, the feminist in me is like, I told him how I felt and this is my truth and he needs to know what he's done and all of those things and be real about it. But the human in me who has empathy and still love for this person, after I got off the phone, realizing that I just blew up his world with this information, felt awful because he's in this vulnerable place working hard on himself in therapy in um, these programs to get sober. And now I just gave him this like horrible piece of what to him news about who he is as a person and what he's capable of. And sitting with that after I got off the phone rocked my fucking world because I shouldn't have told him. I didn't need to tell him that day at that time. Exactly. I mean, true appropriateness timing have a a very unique relationship with each other because you could again you're well within your right to do whatever you want with the truth the facts but again there's your version his version what you remember what they remember what he's going through what you're going through um so there's so many variables here so maybe because you were going through some stuff as well you couldn't really Find a better time. The best time for when you wanted to talk about it was then. And uh, it's just unfortunate that there are variables like his sobriety, like his um, his, his uh, improvement that, you know, we don't know. Maybe it's going to be better because you mentioned it. Or maybe it's going to, you're the reason why he'll fall off the, um, uh, fall off the wagon. But either way, you know, depending on what angle you are taking at what or whatever you're trying to just explain um everything can be justified i mean yes but i just felt uh i felt like it was good that i said it i just didn't need to say it then and i feel really horrible that i did and i think it has negatively impacted him and then i was texting a lot all my codependency came out right and i'm like are you okay (laughs) like all this stuff And he's honestly not okay. And I was really excited to hear from him. And I'm like, oh, he's single again, right? And I want to see him. And can we talk? And I know he's got to make amends at some point, but he's not to that step yet. But can we just like get together and catch up and all those things? And he was like, not right now. Like I, that was a lot of information and I'm uh, not as solid as I thought I was. And then I text him something else randomly and he's like, I just need to pause communication right now until I get to the amends stage and blah 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 and I said I'm so and now I'm left feeling bad for doing that when I was just minding my own fucking business that day at yeah, home he was you the know one what who I mean? up, yeah? he was the one who who you know surprised messaged you so it, it, and it's now fair it's game yeah, it is so fair game I, I had said it's fair game but, you know, fucking dating, man, is so fucking complicated. I can't stand the shit. And all I wanted to do was talk about it with my ex-fiance, which I know is fucking weird, but I did because he knew everything that I went through with that guy and, you know, whatever. And I just kind of wanted to talk to him about it. And I can't 
And I know that's not a, a fair thing to ask and he doesn't want to hear about it or whatever, but that's all I, because like he was my best friend for the last fucking four years besides you and Kendra and a few other people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to talk to him about it and I can't and it's really hard and it sucks. And I'm so sick of being single. I'm so sick of doing all this stuff. And I think I'm going to be single for forever because I just can't. And look at how quickly I chased all these men away. <laughs> <laughs> at least you see that there might be something that draws the best and flames out your current suitors. So maybe you can adjust, you know? Yeah. Dealing with this stuff is good because I've been trying to deal with it on my own for so long. And then the other thing my therapist said, well, like, none of these people would have contacted you if they didn't care about you, right? So there is some aspect of that. They just all have their own demons to deal with. You're memorable enough to be messaged after all of these years, right? So you've left an imprint, right? So, again, how that imprint reminded of who I actually am and was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So sometimes, like... But that's the thing. It's it's uh, we're not there. Eighty percent good doesn't mean that it's all good. There's still like twenty percent that might bite you in the ass. Like you think about your ex and think about all the amazing sex and the places that you traveled, uh, conversations that you had, and then you have like two details that it's going to ruin your week. So um, that's what a person is. Uh, there's great stuff that you want to keep, but there are things that will fucking just destroy you that comes along with it. Time yeah. bomb, baby. Well, Time bomb. Yeah. Thinking about all this has fucking destroyed me. So I don't want an adult anymore. Um, I know you want one and a half children, Janelle. Like, how would you feel about adopting a grown ass woman? <laughs> At this point, I'm just trying to survive. You know, I'm making deals with my best bud now, having his health scare. And then we've, uh, We've talked about, you know, he's got kids, so he needs to last longer, right? And I'm like, oh, dude, right. I'm not going to last that long. And so it's like, no, can you last this much? Like, bro, no, you're going to have at least 10 years of missing me, thinking, hoping that I would pick up the phone and shit like that. So if Is I last more... Diet? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. You're going to die soon. You eat so much spam, it's insane. I'm, well, at this point, you know, before it was for happiness right like and i'm doing the stuff that i want i'm not being stupid i'm not like i'm not eating spam every day but you know it's uh, you're pretty mcdonald's still i do fast food twice so we know twice no twice a month maybe and i order in maybe 30 percent of the time right i do a lot of deli sandwiches so that's kind of like mostly my my meal or deli meals or like the hot plates that are in the deli near me. So it's not that unhealthy, but in general, I understand that, you know, it's fine, but you know what? I'm cool. If I exit tomorrow, like I, you know, the more that I live, the more that I realize, like, man, I'm just opening more and more sucky stuff in my life. I'm pretty dope right now. Like, you know, maybe I want to stick with that. I want to, I don't want to muddle things with crappy things. So, so you adopt me. I don't know if I'm going to be alive enough to adopt you. Mm. So we'll see, but we'll just make sure that, um, um, uh, apart from clearing my, uh, search history, 
and uh, deleting my hard drives, you'll get a lot of uh, the other bonuses in my life. When you're dead? When I'm dead, yeah. You have responsibilities to make sure that I'm not, I don't look too weird, but at least you get to have a lot of my cool shit. Eh. When you're dead, though, that's not much of a consolation prize. It will be. So, (laughs) let's see. All right. So, on that note, Thank you for listening to this extremely depressing and weird-ass episode of Parade of Dicks, Attack of the Zombies. Hopefully, the next one. I said this last time. Hopefully, it'll get better. Aww. You know, know, if we did this recording two days sooner, I would have had great stories. Like, I was having... Why didn't you fucking call me two days ago, Well, the thing is, like, I, again, cautiously optimistic. Luckily, I didn't. I would have sounded stupid two days ago being like, oh, shit. Found the one, lost the one, got the one I again. I love the drama. That's what I want. I want the excited ones, and then the fuck him. That okay, makes it much more exciting. But yeah, we'll, 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 we have more life to live, I guess, a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. See what happens. Bye. Bye. Bye.